the Read to Lead podcast, episode 20. Hi, I'm Dave Delaney, author of New Business Networking, and you're about to enjoy another awesome episode of the Read to Lead podcast with my fellow Nashvilleian buddy, Jeff Brown. We have somehow bought the idea that success with the pinnacle. Success isn't the pinnacle. Success is a step in the ladder to significance. Welcome to the Read to Lead podcast with Jeff Brown. Jeff believes that if you desire to achieve true success in business and in life, then consistent and intentional reading is a must. The Read to Lead podcast will not only help you narrow this ever important reading list, but also bring you key insights and valuable feedback from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. And now, here's Jeff. Hi, and welcome to the Read to Lead podcast. I'm Jeff, and it's the podcast dedicated to our passion of reading. My goal is to help you develop that intentional and consistent reading habit because I believe it's essential to your success in business and in life. And each and every week, we sit down with another successful and inspiring author, and we talk about their latest book and their unique insights on leadership, personal development, career, business, entrepreneurship, marketing, and a lot more. And in this episode, we chat with Scott M. Fay. Scott is the author of Discover Your Sweet Spot, The Seven Steps to Create a Life of Success and significance. Scott has developed the Sweet Spot System, a seven-step system that's built around the ideas of designing, building, and maintaining a life of success and significance. Scott is a part of the John Maxwell team. We'll find out more about him and his book in just a moment. First, I want to tell you about some folks uh, I have recently become familiar with and who I think are doing some great things. Sherry Griffin is somebody who has been a big fan of the podcast and had very nice things to say about it uh, on Twitter and elsewhere online, which we really, really appreciate. Uh, but I did a little bit of, uh, of digging and discovered that uh, Sherry is a part of the Business Book Club training company, and I thought what they do is really, really cool. Now, there's no promotional consideration uh, happening here. Uh, Sherry is not even aware. I intend to highlight uh, her company in this episode. Just, again, something I came across that I thought was kind of cool and would share with you. They, among other things, help train your staff, your key staff, to walk the rest of your staff through business books, key business books, and to help your staff get the most out of them in the process. I was fortunate enough to have a great leader at a company I was working at several years ago who brought business books into the workplace, and we read them together as a staff. Now, he did a great job with that, but when I look at what the Business Book Club is doing and what they can equip you and your staff to accomplish with measurable results... Uh, it's a pretty cool thing. They can really get you up and running and getting the most out of these business books to make sure your staff is getting all they can and learning all they can out of them. If you're interested in checking them out, just go to their website. It's thebizbookclub.com. That's thebizbookclub.com. You can also follow Sherry, I don't think she'd mind, on Twitter. And I'll put all the links for her Twitter and for the Biz Book Club in the show notes. The show notes page for this episode is readtoleadpodcast.com forward slash zero two zero for episode 20. Scott Fay is a student, practitioner, and teacher of leadership and business practices. His content is hewn from his experience acquiring more than a dozen failing landscaping and irrigation companies and rolling them into two industry-leading and award-winning organizations. Now, besides speaking and training internationally, Scott serves as executive vice president of the John Maxwell team. He is 
also author of the upcoming book, Discover Your Sweet Spot, The Seven Steps to Create a Life of Success and Significance. His scent of choice is a combination of dirt and diesel fuel, and I hear he's a pretty good bubblegum salesman to boot. Scott, welcome to the Read to Lead podcast. Uh, thank you, Jeff. Great to be with you, my friend. Great to be with you. Well, in your upcoming book, which is due out in January, you say that what really qualifies you to write is not so much your successes, but your failures. Why is that? Well, <laughs> it's what I'm exceptional at. So let's go with our strength, right? <laughs> now, you know, all kidding aside, it just seems to be human nature that we we really do oftentimes learn more from our failures and our setbacks than we do our successes. Mm. We have great successes. We celebrate them, and we get lost in them sometimes. And it takes a lot of discipline, an extraordinary amount of discipline, to, to get the learnings from our successes. The failures, they're right there in our face. So it's a combination of both. I, I, I like to think I've learned some things from my successes too, but I've really learned some important lessons from my failures. Well, I really love how you've laid out what you call this sweet spot system, these three main categories of design, build, and maintain, and then you break it down into seven steps that fall within those three main categories. And you say that in order to build successful organizations, we have to build ourselves first, and to do that, we need to create an environment for learning. How is that manifested uh, in your organization? Here's where I believe it really starts, Jeff, is... I really do believe that everything rises and falls on leadership, you know, so Mm. it's so easy to point the finger somewhere else, either to somebody else or something else. You know, if, if, if it's not the people, it's the economy. If it's not the economy, the economy, it's the culture. You know, it's just, there's just always, always, but it really comes down to everything rises and falls on, on leadership. And so to have a healthy organization, be it a business, a not-for-profit, government education. It doesn't matter. It's an organization. It could be a family, you know, an organization, two or more people. It, it really comes down to, to where we are individually first. You can't, have an health, you can't have a healthy organization if you have unhealthy people. And you've defined the sweet spot, we should cover this too, as the convergence of three things. Can you talk about those three things and maybe, maybe define them for us? So, yes. So I really do believe that to be healthy or to to be at our best, to to work towards our potential, which, of course, is a moving target, it it is the convergence of three ideas, your purpose, your passion, and your plan. And I'll tell you what what I believe those things are, but when you put those three things together, if you could picture three circles, and the convergence of those three circles is this little tiny area where, where those three circles interlock. That is what I like to call the sweet spot. Mm. And, and before we get to those three areas, let's just start with this big idea, if I can, Jeff. That, sure. That the sweet spot, if you think about it, is, is an extraordinary place. It's, it's found in, in a lot of places in a lot of ways. But if you just think about the baseball bat, the golf club, or the tennis racket, for example, mm-hmm. the sweet spot is this very specific place on the bat, the club, or the tennis rocket, the racket that when you connect with the ball on that spot, it, 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 if you've ever done that, it has, it has a special sound, it has a special feel, 
you don't even have to look. That ball is going exactly where you want it to go. And here's the beautiful thing about hitting and connecting on the sweet spot. You get extraordinary results with very little effort. And this is, this is where when we talk about leadership and then leading an organization and the organization being healthy, you being healthy is, can you imagine living your life in such a way where your life literally has a special sound? It has a special feel that you don't have to look. You know when, when you're working in your gifting, you know the results that you're going to get. And those results are extraordinary, and they come to you with very little effort. That's what I'm talking about, living <laughs> in the sweet spot. <laughs> so it's made up then, you know, it, it, on the bat, the club, or the racket. When we first find that sweet spot, it's by luck. It's like, you know, you're, you're, you're playing the game, and all of a sudden, you get that sound and that feel, and the ball just goes, and you say, wow, right? And that was by luck. And then the more you play the game, it happens more often. We say the, the harder we work, the luckier we get, right? So it's just, it just, we just do it enough times, and it just happens. And that happens by persistence. But then when we take a mindful look with reflection and insight on our experiences, and ask ourselves, where, 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 what just happened here? Where is that sweet spot? What does it look like? What angle do I have to hit the ball at? What's the, what's the velocity? What's the speed? What's my stance? How do I do that? And we, we move from luck to persistence to mastery, where we get predictable results all the time. Now we're talking about mastering that sweet spot. So, so what is the sweet spot? I believe the sweet spot for us as individuals because we're not a bat, a club, or a racket. We're a human being, and it's made up this little area in our life, which is the area, as far as I'm concerned, the heart, mm. is made up of purpose, passion, and plan. Purpose is knowing who you're designed to be. Passion is knowing what you love to do. And the, and the plan is strategically putting the purpose and the passion together strategically. And that's where, you're, that's where the focus really comes into a really small define. Not small in, 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 in impact, but a very laser, razor sharp, very, very specific area. And when you find the great in life, people who are really extraordinary they, they, these are people who have connected their purpose and their passion and strategically lived their whole life in that area, and they don't get distracted with anything else. One thing that works really well in the book, I think, is the consistent use of the landscaping analogy. That, that of course, is, is your background. And just like with landscaping, before we build the proper environment, we have to design the proper environment for our business and our team. What, what are some of the design devils, as you call them, that we need to look out for? Well, in our lives, if you're not careful, you're not thinking ahead. In other words, in design, I've seen this happen so many times where we forget, we forget to include things like drainage. And so, you know, we build a beautiful landscape, then the rains come and, and we look at each other and say, oh, uh, we didn't think about the water. <laughs> we didn't think, <laughs> you know, that's a problem. Uh, we didn't we didn't think about, and I talk about this a little bit in the book. We didn't think about there being high traffic areas. You'll see this in a in a parking lot where people will will separate parking areas with hedges and grass turf areas, and then people, of course, don't walk around those islands. They walk through them, and they're then all of a sudden they have a dirt wear path where there should have been a sidewalk or at least pavers. 
So in our lives, there are things that wear on us, you know, and we wonder why they wear on us. Well, if we thought about it, we could build, we could build sidewalks and pavers in our life, so to speak, metaphorically, where, where they wouldn't have to be a wear spot. You know, I love to talk, Jeff, about the virtues. Forgive me, this is going to sound really funny, but the virtues of money, <laughs> because money gets a bad rap. And, 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 and my thing is, you know, money in its right context is a wonderful thing, not for the sake of money, but it gives you options. And with options, you can, you can take care of things that would normally be wear spots, and you can provide for those so that you can eliminate those stress. So when I talk about creating an environment that's conducive to, to, to living in the sweet spot, conducive to your growth, it's, it's thinking about, and very few people think, I mean, 2% of us actually think, 3% of us think we think, and 95% of us would rather die than think. I mean, it's, it's, just, it's just the truth. If some people said what they were thinking, they'd be speechless. I mean, we just don't think. But if we would think about these things, then we could, we could stop. In the book, I talk about a typical Monday morning where if you, ask, if you ask a dozen people, what's a typical Monday morning like? A dozen people are going to tell you it's an awful morning. A typical Monday morning is where... Everything that could go wrong does go wrong. And I talk about dealing with one of my team members who has been in this industry for 20 years, 20 years. And if you take two weeks off for vacation, this is nice and slow, right down the middle. How many Monday mornings are there in a year if you take two weeks off for vacation? Well, there's 50 last time I checked. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think pretty, pretty much plus or minus nothing. There's 50. Fifty Monday mornings in a typical year, if we take two weeks off for vacation, and if you've done 20 years, you've had a 1,000 Monday mornings. And if you are in that camp that says a typical Monday morning is when everything that could go wrong does go wrong, you've got a wear spot there, and you're not thinking that's a design demo. What could you do where a typical Monday morning, you've had a 1,000 of them, that should be a beautiful thing instead of a... Everything that could go wrong does go wrong. I've heard it said before, and you say it in the book, that that many people give up on their dream just before reaching what would have been that tipping point. What are some of the reasons you think that happens? Well, that's a great question, Jeff. And and I think at its very core, it's when we're really not understanding what this whole idea of sweet spot is. Because the reason I think purpose and passion are, are absolutely fundamental Purpose is this understanding of, of ourself. It's our talents, our skills, our abilities. It's, it, it answers the question, what we are best at. And so many times we take on an idea that sounds good and it really works really well for somebody else. And then we turn that idea into a goal and we pursue it, but it doesn't fit. It's wearing somebody else's armor. Mm. It, it just, it's just not us. Or, or let's say it is us. Let's say we do have the skill sets, and let's say the armor does fit. But the second part of this message is passion. And even though it's a great idea, and even though it fits our skill set, it's just not what we want to do, or we don't want to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. We, we, we've done that. And, we've, and so it's not that the goal is impossible. And it's not that we don't even have the ability. It's just, it either it, it just doesn't match really well with our ability to misfit, or 
It just isn't, it's just not in our heart. And we know that passion is the fuel for energy. You show me somebody that you say, well, that's a low energy person. And I'll argue, no, that's not a low energy person. That's a person who just hasn't connected with their passion. Mm. I've been amazed Jeff, to, to be around what we call low energy person. And then you ask them, you ask that person the right question and they'll sit up a little straighter and their eyes get a little bigger and their words get a little more pronounced and they start to get energy. And all of a sudden, you, you, you think you've connected with a, with a freight train instead of this little you know, golf cart. It's because you've connected with what they really care about. And, and, and this idea that people give up just, just before they, they see really big success, and, and I think it's a, it's a misalignment with purpose and passion. Or the third thing, they don't have a thorough plan. Well, a part of the of the building process, as you lay out, is the occasional need for course correction. You lay out the four mm. core corrections in the book. And I was especially touched, Scott, by the illustration that you shared to help drive these four core corrections home. And I was wondering if you would mind maybe sharing that story here on the podcast. First of all, let's start with this, if we can. That, that stuff is going to happen way outside of our control, mm. you know, and and... There are, there's this concept, you know, somebody said to me the other day, you know what, I just got to tell you right now, life is pretty hard for me right now. And, and I you know, with, with all due respect, that's not right now. That's, that's a true statement. Life is hard and, and, and life's always going to be hard. That's not even the question. So if you're in a frame of mind that, that only good things can happen and you can only thrive and do well if things are, are, are going really, life is always going to be hard. That's just a, that's just an understanding. Now, the, 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 the question is, when it gets hard, what do we do? Not if it gets hard, but when it gets hard, what do we do? And, and in life, you know, and so I talk about course corrections and, and landscape because we could do, we do this walkthrough and you're the customer and I'm the landscaper. And I say, Jeff, what do you want to do? And you lay out your dream. And then I come back with a rendering and you like most of it, but you want to change this. And we, and we work through it. We get all that and we get the design devils out. We do all that. And, and we really think it through and we've been thorough. And now my guys show up with the materials and the equipment. And, and when it, this is, this is the practical side. Now we've done all the planning and, and we've done the, now we get there and, and this just happened on, on an estate on Jupiter Island. We started digging to find there was a huge, old, uh, very large concrete foundation structure just two feet below the surface. Oh, wow. The whole project had to be put on hold. This is a course correction, and, and, and that had to be demolished, and this, this was a big deal. Now, in life, I talk about this event where we had several hundred people come in for a day about books with three incredible speakers, and just next door, there was a rock concert. And we didn't know that was going to happen. That wasn't in the plan. We had, we had secured this convention center. And you know how they'll, they'll divide rooms up with these movable walls mm -hmm. that for practical, for all practical purposes, for most events, they're soundproof. But there's nothing that soundproofs a rock concert, right? <laughs> right. And, and so, and, and we find out that morning there's going to be a rock concert on the other side of six inch of the movable wall. And I was really up to, I'm the, I'm the master of ceremonies. It's not all my responsibility, but I'm, I'm the guy up on the, in the front. Whew, not happy. <laughs> and my business partner, Paul Martinelli, says to me, okay, first of all, we've, we've remember, there's a blessing and a curse here. But before we do anything, and this goes back to this leadership thing and putting ourselves in the right place and space, 
He says, Scott, we, we can't fix anything or anybody until we make sure we're in the right place ourselves." And to stop and think about it. He said, think of it this way, Scott. There's a thousand kids on the other side of that six-inch removable wall. These are teenagers. These are, these are young people that could be out on the – this is a Saturday. They could be out on the streets creating chaos and problems. They could be in, in the drug culture. They could, there's a lot of things and places they could be, but they're here, and they're here for a Christian retreat. And at 1 o'clock, they're going to have a Christian rock concert. And these thousand kids are going to praise and worship their God and their Creator. And we can either think about the inconvenience and how disruptive this is to our perfect little world, or we could focus on the fact that these kids are in a really good place by their choice on a weekend. This isn't during school where they're forced to be there. They're there by their... It's not a wonderful thought. And then as we as leaders, if we can really get to the place where we embrace that thought, then I, then I step to the platform, and this is what happened. I stepped to the stage, and I laid out what I just laid for you, just that whole scenario. And when I, I got done saying what I just said to you, Jeff, and I took a breath, just to you know, kind of clear my throat. 800 people, some of them had paid $499 to be in the room for that one day. And to be distracted was, was horrific to me. Those 800 people stood to their feet in a standing ovation in support. And, and at the end of the day, we did not have a single complaint about something that was extremely disruptive. So mid-course corrections is, is as leaders and as individuals is, first of all, having the presence of mind to understand that it's the law of polar opposites. You can't have a good without having a bad. You can't have an in without an out, an up without a down. And so in life, you can't have a problem without there being an opportunity. Mm. It's our choice. I lay before you both a blessing and a curse. I have a. I come from a radio background, and I've been a part of producing my fair share of events. And uh, when I read that story, I thought, how many times could I have implemented that attitude or had that sort of approach to the problem, and really done something great instead of just you know wallowing in my <laughs> in my uh, frustration? You know. Sure, sure. It's easy to get there. Why do you think we feel like we can often skip this last phase? Uh, you've got design, build, and then the maintenance phase. Why do you think we feel like we can cut corners? Well, certainly for most people, it's the least fun, if you will. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, we, we're a society that is driven by fun. We just are. And so it's a lot of fun to plan. You know, we, we call that the thrill of the chase. And, and, and in consumerism, you know, we, we talk about it's, it's more fun to really hunt down the thing we want to buy. And it's almost anticlimactic when we buy it, then we've got it. And it's like, ho-hum, you know. Well, certainly if you plan and you build something, that's, you plan it, you build it, and it's all exciting. And then it's new and it's fresh and, and then it's got to be taken care of. Mm. You know, and we do the same thing in our relationships. We date. Some people call it courting. We date, we romance, you know, we win the other person over and we have the wedding and it's a big celebration and it's awesome. And then we have to maintain the relationship. <laughs> we, we, we plan about having children, the, the whole process, the birth, everybody comes around and you do dedications or baptisms or whatever and all this stuff. And then we got to raise kids. But 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 if, let's just take that last scenario. Again, it's the blessing of the curse. I'm, I, I have six children, three of, of mine, and Catherine has three, and, and, and two grandchildren. And I can tell you, I can tell you from the bottom of my heart, Jeff, yes, I mean, raising kids can, can have its challenges, but 
the older my kids get, the more I love to be with them. I, I told them the other day, if, if my choice, I'd rather be with them than anybody on the planet. Yeah. It's an awesome, wonderful experience. Is it a lot of hard work? Absolutely. Is it a lot of maintenance? Yes, it is. Is teaching precept upon precept, line upon line, trying to live an example in front of them and with them. And, and oh, by the way, then they teach you things too. I put in front of my book. I probably learned most of my lessons from my kids. <laughs> but 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 the maintenance, and 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 that's true in our own life. This morning, I did a conference call from the John Maxwell's book, The 15 Laws of Invaluable Growth. And law number 14 is the law of expansion, which says growth always increases your capacity, mm. personal growth, you know. And so you're always growing. And this maintenance thing in landscape, it's when the landscape is growing. And again, we could look at that as, oh, my goodness, i got to trim the hedges. Oh, my goodness, i got to cut the grass. No, it's like, oh, this is awesome. This stuff is alive. It's ever-changing. You know, it's, it's our folk. But, it, but we let it go because we get excited about the, we get excited about the event, and, we, and the, the process has lackluster. And, and my, my point in the book is that real value is seen and realized in the process of maintenance. Once a tree matures and, and really becomes this big, healthy tree, that's when it provides shade. And when hedge material matures and can blossom and put out flowers or fruit, you know, but that can't happen without maintenance, without process. Constant watering and feeding and nurturing and trimming and pruning and, oh, yawn, yawn, yawn. No, 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 no yawning. <laughs> this, is, this is just <laughs> part of the process. In the last chapter, uh, you talk about how it's important to give what you can't keep or, uh, you know, that legacies are maintained by investing in others. And you posit that uh, parents, and you talked about your own kids a moment ago, you say that parents are often guilty of substituting short-sighted happiness in their kids for long-term vision uh, for growth. What are some of the ways your father spoke vision into your life? I was very, I've, I've been very blessed and, and fortunately, you know, as a, uh, fortunately my dad is still with me and, and I, uh, I've already spoken with him today. You know, we're, we're very mm. close. And from the earliest, my earliest remembrances, he did this a couple of ways. One is we always had leaders in our home. My parents are, are, you know, my dad's a pastor. So hospitality is high on the list. Right. And so we would, not, we would we would always have we had guests in the home and he would always have leaders in the home. I grew up in a leadership environment. Dad would take me as a kid. I'd be sometimes the only kid in the in the in the group, but he would take me to leadership conferences and leadership events. He he had me read How to Win Friends and Influence People when I was twelve years old. Wow. You know, so he 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 breathed that into me and and, and loaned me the money for my first lawnmower when I was 12. You know, I mean, I bought a, you know, I bought a riding lawnmower. He loaned me the money to buy a, a, a calf, a, a white face Hereford calf. And he bought one and loaned me the money to buy one. And then I took care of him. And, and you know, we, we, we partnered on raising these calves, and if you will, <laughs> you know. So he had a, he had a, a used a heck, a secondhand store called the Junk Shop. He would pay me a commission to sell stuff in the in his store there's a there's a principle in leadership that says don't ever do anything alone take somebody with you not because of what you'll get out of it but what what you can build into them 
and dad took me took me with him and I've endeavored to do that with my children and what a great way to build legacy certainly is well before we move on to a couple of general questions I wanted to ask you if there's anything else related to your book that we haven't covered that you'd like to share the the big idea I think that I would love for people to to have is that sweet spot is is a, is a constant discovery and and you'll find it in subsets in your life in different areas with different people with different actions you're always looking for the best you know good better best never never rest till your good is better and your better best it's a process it's, it's a journey and i think people i think we we have somehow bought the idea that success with the pinnacle and success isn't the pinnacle success is a step in the ladder to significance it's 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 really significance we've all been wired think about it this way jeff that the difference between good morale and bad morale is knowing that you make a difference it's it's when you are impacting others and that's significant you can be successful without being significant you can be successful if it depending on how you mean the word without helping others but but it's so it's it's giving to others and, and investing in others and adding value to others. And, and there's a process. We can't just take the, the, the shortcut. There's, you know, there's, there's kind of three, if you will, phases of life. You have to learn, and then you earn, and then you return. Learn, earn, and return. And a lot of people want to take a shortcut and just return because it feels good. And, and I've, always, <laughs> I've always believed, no, you, you've got to become successful first. So that you can be significant, you, you've got to earn the right to speak truth into people's lives. I, I, I really don't want to sit and listen to a 14-year-old boy tell me how to be successful in business. He's never been there, <laughs> right? Right. Love the 14-year-old boy. There's no disrespect there. It's just he just hasn't done. No, 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 son. You go learn first, then you earn, and, and, then, and then speak truth into people's lives. Nice. Well, Scott, in that you've had the opportunity to, to, to learn alongside a leader like John Maxwell, this may be the toughest question I ask you all, all morning long, but if you had to narrow all the leadership lessons you've learned down to a central theme or idea, what would you say that is? We just took 150 coaches to Guatemala, John Maxwell coaches, so that they could teach leadership. And 150 people taught uh, I think it was eighteen or nineteen thousand trainers, and I forget what the number now is and how it's 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 compounded and reached out. It's phenomenal. But here's the point, Jeff. It is a great question. It is a tough question, and I really believe the answer is what we chose as a theme for our trip in Guatemala. That transformation begins in me. See, leadership is influence. Leadership is about influencing or, or to be part of the process of transformation. And I believe that transformation has to begin in ourselves. And, and to be a leader, you have to be current. You have to be relevant. Well, the lessons you learned yesterday served you well yesterday, but today is a new day. So, so I think if there's, if there's one compelling thought, it's that transformation begins in me. Well, Scott, we like to think that uh, reading is key to success in business and in life, intentional and consistent reading here at the Read to Lead podcast. And I'd like to ask you, what role has consistent and intentional reading played in your career and in your success? I would imagine uh, maybe John Maxwell's work comes to mind. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, it sure does. Yeah, I, I love your theme, and I absolutely agree with it. Not, not only do I believe it, I actually pay. I pay people. I pay my kids to read books. <laughs> I I pay employee team members. We 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 have a standard policy uh, in our companies in Florida. I have a whole bookcase full of books that are there for team members to come in and take. And and the offer is if you you take a book. And you'll read the book and just spend 10 minutes with me. That's all I ask, 10 minutes or with me or one of my leaders, that, that you get to keep the book for free, and I'll pay you the retail value. So if it's a $25 book, I'll pay you $25 to read it. And then we have a couple books that are small books. We've got one book. It's a $15 book, and I pay you $100 to read it. I tell you, it's the best $100 you'll ever earn. Mm. Because I do believe that we're a product of the things we take in and the people that we spend time with. And and mentoring and coaching can be such a great way for us to grow. And and if you don't have access to a great mentor, a mentor, a great coach, you've got but today technology, ebooks, and and then being able to buy any book you want on Amazon. I mean, it's just the the resources are endless. And and so what a great theme you have. If you want to, Jim Rohn said, if you want to do, be, or have more, you have to become more. And, 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 and either reading a book or, or why you know, some people learn by watching or, but we've got to be constantly fueling ourselves and fueling the mind and challenging the mind. If you want to do, be, or have more, you got to become more. Last question. Among those books that you share with your staff and encourage them to read, are, are there a couple standouts uh, that you consider just to have really impacted you or, or those you, you work around? Yeah, Absolutely. Of course, some of my favorites from John are you know, the the handbook for for Maxwell leadership philosophy is his very well known book, the Twenty One Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. Mm. I also like he's written a couple of books and a couple of different versions of the idea, but there's a there's a very tiny little coffee table book that he wrote called How Successful People Think. the The bigger version is called Thinking for a Change, and it's it's a great book. But if somebody would just read how successful people think, you know, uh, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. thinking is really, really important. And thinking affects the heart. And then we say out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So mm-hmm. the words that you say come from your heart and, the, and, and, and that's all developed by your thoughts. So thank you for it. And then I think in business, you know, one of my all time favorites and one I pay people to read because it's our manual, if you will, for our company is Jim Collins, Good to Great. Oh, yeah. Even if you're not in business, it's great for organizational leadership. And, and if, if you don't do anything else, just read the first line of the first chapter of the, of the book where he opens up with, good is the enemy of great. Good right. churches, schools, and organizations seldom have ever become great. They don't have to because they're already good. What a great thought. Wow. Well, Scott, before we wrap up, let us know where we can find you online, your website, if you're on Twitter, where can folks connect with you? Okay, so we have a couple of Facebook presences, uh, Scott M, as in money, if you will. <laughs> Scott M. <laughs> Fay is my Facebook page. I have uh, a, book, a page for the book called Discover Your Sweet Spot. The website is scottfay.com. My email is scott at scottfay.com. And my team takes care of Twitter and LinkedIn and all that stuff. And I'm sorry, I'm a little bit old school. I have all that stuff, but they take, <laughs> they take care of that. 
Here's what I will share with you that this book is available on Amazon as of January. You can pre-order it now if they are taking orders and then it will come out in January. If you can't wait till January, feel free to send a check to my office, 7900 Southeast Bridge Road, bridge over water type of thing. So 7900 Southeast Bridge Road. And the town is two words, Hobe Sound, H-O-B as in boy, E, Hobe Sound, Florida, 33455. And the retail price, I think, is $17. We sell it for $15 plus $4 shipping handle. So it's $19 a book if you buy it from me at the office or you can get it at Amazon. Well, I think it's a great book, and I want to say a special shout-out to Ernie, our mutual friend who brought it to my attention, and I've really enjoyed it. And we'll put all uh, the links, so the Amazon links and the address and everything else in the show notes for this episode so folks know exactly how to get a hold of it. Scott, thank you so much for taking time out of what I know is an extremely busy day to talk with us on the Read to Lead podcast. Jeff, thank you. Thank you, Ernie, for putting Jeff and I together. Thank you for this opportunity. And Jeff, I appreciate you. Some great questions, my friend. Thank you. If you'd like to let Scott know what you thought about today's episode, you can shoot him a tweet on Twitter. I love saying that. Shoot him a tweet on Twitter at uh, Scott M. Fay. That's at Scott M. as in Mary Fay. And Fay, by the way, is just F-A-Y. He's probably more likely to see your email. Uh, Scott at Scott Fay. Dot com. No middle initial in the email address. Again, that's scott at scottfay.com. I'd love it if you'd send him an email or a tweet to let him know what you thought about today's episode. And feel free to copy me on either, too, so I know you've done that. That's just a great way to let authors know that their time on the Read to Lead podcast has been uh, well spent. Now, to comment on this episode or to check out any of the links I've mentioned or that Scott mentioned during the course of the show, you can go to the blog. It's readtoleadpodcast.com forward slash 020 for this episode, which is, of course, 20. Readtoleadpodcast.com forward slash 020. If you'd like to leave a comment on this episode, you can just scroll down to the bottom of the page. If you'd like to rate the podcast, especially if you think it's five-star worthy, you can head on over to readtoleadpodcast.com forward slash iTunes and leave your five-star rating, please, and your written review. I'll be sure to mention your name in an upcoming episode as well as a small way of saying thanks. Recent five-star reviews have come from Jamie Beard, who says it's his new number one podcast. Thanks, Jamie. Dave Delaney, last week's guest, calls it inspiring. Thanks, Dave, especially last week. And J.N. Swanson says he lets the authors talk. Go figure. And Smiley Rick says the best thing I can do with my time. Gee whiz. Thanks, guys. Appreciate that awesome feedback. Well, next week on the show is somebody that I am so nervous about talking to. At the time this episode is being published, the interview hasn't happened yet. But between now and next week, it will. And that interview is with none other than Chris Brogan. That's right. Chris Brogan will be our guest next week on the podcast. We'll talk about his book, The Impact Equation. And then the week after that, we follow it with Gary Vaynerchuk, another interview I'm very nervous about. So I'm going to be a ball of nerves for the next couple of weeks. And we'll follow that interview with Natalie Sisson. She's the suitcase entrepreneur and will be only the second ever female guest that we've had on the show. That's December the 3rd. So Chris Brogan, Gary Vaynerchuk, and Natalie Sisson, the next three guests we have lined up for the Read to Lead podcast. I'm excited. 
I hope you are as well. Well, that'll do it for this episode. Hope to see you next time. Chris Brogan on the Read to Lead podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the Read to Lead podcast. As a subscriber, we challenge you to be more than just a passive listener. Become a vital member of the community. Visit us on the web at readtoleadpodcast.com and chat with other members at facebook.com slash readtoleadnation. Until next time, remember, leaders read and readers lead. Now I've had the time of my life, and I never felt like this before. And I remember the words, and I owe it all to you.